0: I used to want to throw Cavi and Benjamin into a black hole because I believed nothing could escape. Now that I have proven some things can escape a black hole, when I look at Kavi and Benjamin, all I can think is that we are doomed. And now a new episode of the Nerd and the Scientist.
1: Cavi. Kavi...
0: Oh! Here you are. I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Bobby. Hello. Hello. Oof. I am quite sorry. You're I have forgotten. Breath. <sighs> Breathing. Breathing. In. Breathing.
1: Breathe. Take in that oxygen, even though it's mostly nitrogen.
0: <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> oh, man. You're right. Uh. I'm fine. Ah, uh, how are you? I'm
1: alright. I'm excited about today. Because today we're recording stuff about science. And that makes me happy. It makes me excited.
0: Yes. Science. Yes, I forgot I... today we were recording an episode. I knew I had something <sighs> on this morning.
1: I know, I know. Or this afternoon. For those of you who are not in Australia while we're recording this (laughs) (laughs) like that. It makes a
0: difference. (laughs) I I wonder what, what fraction of our audience actually is in Australia.
1: Oh, I love having that information at our fingertips. (laughs) It's a long story for our listeners. We'll tell you another time.
0: (laughs) It's great. It's straightforward. We, we, the same platform that we use to upload the sound files, the, the MP3 files to mm-hmm. the various podcast platforms yes. um, also gives us analytics. It also shows us how many of you fine people are listening to our show and where you live.
1: It's not I a could joke, everybody. To... We can actually zoom in to the actual <laughs> address within a block. I think of where you are when you're listening. That's actually really, really fun. Uh, just so you know, it's not like a moving target. We can't see where you are, but we know where you are when you push play. And then we go there. And then we find the window. And
0: then we yeah. look in.
1: And then offer you all kinds of free swag because we know you like our show.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just imagining it, but that whole description sounds like suspiciously a lot like Santa Claus. <laughs> he knows where you are he knows what you're doing and he knows if you're listening to
1: a podcast about science
0: (laughs) I hope in our eyes that's considered being nice but then he'll just like come in through any opening in your house and then leave you free stuff
1: does he do that? if there's no chimney he just finds another way to break in I'm not up to snuff on Santa lore
0: um I don't know actually. Has anybody like academically addressed that? Like how do children in apartment buildings or in most modern homes that don't have chimneys, like through the, through the garbage chute maybe? I don't know. know. I'm
1: sure he has a very fancy way of magically teleporting because Santa's kind of (laughs) cool. I think.
0: Sorry, I've totally I've come in late, out of breath, and totally derailed the episode four minutes in.
1: <laughs> you know, it's only October and we're already talking about Santa, so oh, we God. are way off the rails. <laughs> Join us in November Please, when yeah. we talk about Valentine's Day.
0: <laughs> you know what I, I found out today? I, I not found out, like it wasn't a secret being kept. I just didn't realise. Um, the, uh, the, the pale blue dot photo, mm-hmm. um, right, which was taken by the Voyager one probe of the pale blue dot that was earth, um, yes. was taken on Valentine's day.
1: Really? Yeah. Wait, the photo was taken on Valentine's day or received it on Valentine's day? So those <sighs> are two separate things.
0: I know. I also, it was I, a I,
1: compilation of multiple images.
0: I believe the photo was taken, um, yeah, with with the um, the travel time from you know out by the you know the orbit of, of Saturn um, or Saturn for our American listeners. Um, the yeah, the travel time would have been, gosh, uh, several days, right? Um, I think. Off the top of my head, maybe that's wrong. I know
1: that uh, Jupiter is 48 light minutes from the sun, and Saturn is considerably further than that.
0: And. Oh, wait, so if we're still talking the light minutes at Jupiter scale, so it, it would maybe it would still be within a day. It could only be a few light hours. Um, yeah. The distance. Why, if, why do I know it's 48 light
1: minutes? Oh.
0: That we could use to tell us the light distance to the planet saturn like, why don't we have this ability
1: i wish there's like some kind of i don't know global network of just all the knowledge oh well guess we're gonna have to i guess we'll guess never guess
0: with, know
1: we'll have to guess with sticks
0: yeah <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, well, according to my uh, abacus calculation here, it is yeah around an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, um, the kind of light travel time. So yes, so uh, if the photo was taken on Valentine's Day, unless it was taken, you know, after eleven p.m. on Valentine's Day, it would have also arrived on Valentine's Day. Um,
1: (laughs) I am going to look into this. (laughs)
0: the signal would have taken about an hour and 15 minutes to get all the way from uh, Saturn um, back to Earth. Um, And it's beautiful. If if anybody listening has not seen the pale blue dot photo, um, stop what you're doing. I mean, stop everything. Well, not everything. Keep breathing and keep listening to the show. But separately, Google the pale blue dot photo. It's just... a beautiful,
1: beautiful photo. It really, really was. The Voyager One had finished. It, right, it was Voyager One had mm-hmm. finished its yeah. grand tour of the outer planets, and it was had nothing left to do except carry its famous golden record into space. And no one knew where. And so, while we still had decent control and decent, uh, uh you know, a good, a decent, good view of the Earth or the solar system, uh, the decision was made for the Voyager spacecraft to literally pivot and face backwards towards where it came from and took a picture of our solar system. It did not take a picture of Mercury or Venus because at that distance, they were practically right next to the sun and that would have burnt out the uh, camera, as I recall. But it got Earth and it got Mars and it got Jupiter. (laughs) I think it got... Uh, Saturn as well, and Uranus and Neptune, and um, and uh, it was a it's this great photo, like this little family portrait. It's really really cool, and the pale blue dot image is very famous because, as luck would have it, at that one moment <laughs> on Valentine's Day, apparently, <laughs> uh, everything had lined up just right in such a way that there was a sunbeam. Right, right across the screen where the Earth was, so it kind of made it a little extra special. That's a good. It's a good photo. It's a good photo. It's a good photo. You
0: give me chills as well because, like Carl Sagan's description. Ah yes. Right. It was. It was a huge. It was a huge effort to divert the resources um, necessary to, as you said, you know, to, to pivot the Voyager mm-hmm. One spacecraft around. Um, right, because this wasn't the point of the Voyager One mission. Mm-hmm. Um, to turn it around and to take a photo of the direction it was coming from. And just Carl Sagan's description combined with that effort, he just managed to, I I, I don't know, like the man man was a poet. The way that he just described, you know, those few bluish pixels Mm -hmm. that were Earth as being, you know, uh, all of humanity... Everyone you've ever known, or ever mm-hmm. will know, or, or ever knew, you know, on this tiny speck of dust suspended yep. in a sunbeam. Like I'm not doing it justice. Um, go, nope, go find the not. recording as well. <laughs> nope, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even try to do the impression. I'll leave that to um, to, to more talented people than myself and or g- generative AI, AI tools. <laughs>
1: Funny thing about that photo is um, after the Grand Tour primary objectives, which was just Jupiter and Saturn, um, they tried to get uh, everyone to agree to turn Voyager around and take a look. But there was opposition. It wasn't science, people said. There's no real reason to do it. So it Mm -hmm. drifted on. It passed Uranus. And then again, Carl Sagan and the rest please, let's turn around and take a family photo while we can. And everyone said, no, no, there's just no science to it. And then finally... Family photo, right? (laughs) Right. And so when they passed Neptune, they asked again. And the strange thing about this, and people have to understand, so much time had passed between the passage of Saturn and then the time when they passed Uranus, that the people in charge had changed. And then (laughs) when they passed Uranus and more time, it took even such a much longer chunk of time till they got past uh, Neptune. And again, the people, the hierarchy of the people in charge of various departments had changed again. And this time, it, it lined up with some like-minded people that all thought, "Yeah, okay, that's a good idea." And that's when that's why it happened. And I, it's so everything just, it all shaped up really nicely. I liked it. I like it. I'm a fan.
0: It is. It's 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 definitely a really good point that you're making about how. You know these these endeavors. Um, in space. They they don't always scale to, you know, um, human time scales in a in a right. reasonable way in a way that we can relate to right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know for. For, for NASA budget to be tied to a four-year term, you know, like a presidential term, um, it doesn't make sense because, as you said, these these missions in some cases take decades. And that's not because, you know, folks at NASA and JPL and other, um, you know, public and private organizations are not working hard enough. It's just space big, space Space, space very big.
1: Space so big.
0: So big. So
1: big. (laughs) Uh, I know that the the New Horizons spacecraft that went to Pluto I know it launched in May 2006. That's when my daughter was born. I thought, what a great month. I became a dad. And there's a spacecraft going to Pluto, which is still a planet, people. And then it took 10 years. 10 years. (laughs) And then it got there right around my daughter's 10th birthday, around or shortly thereafter. And I was so excited to tell her, this left Earth when you were born. And she didn't care but it is okay because it helps me keep in my mind how long it took. And this is one of our fastest traveling spacecraft ever. And it still took 10 years to get there. And it took people to monitor it and uh, track it the entire time. And it was taking pictures the closer and closer it got to Pluto. And it took people to uh, take those photos and people to analyze those photos and Again, human timescales and spacecraft timescales are vast, vastly different things.
0: Be honest, though. Do you use your daughter's age to remember how long since New Horizon launched, or you use the age of New Horizons to remember your daughter's age?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: I think it's 50-50 until new horizons got to pluto and then i just didn't care about it anymore now i'm just focusing on the kid
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i don't have to send new
1: horizons to college so
0: (laughs) oh wow well um yes that that (laughs) Uh, what a
1: lovely intro this has been
0: (laughs) yeah well that actually we've come full circle to the actual topic of today's episode in case you haven't noticed uh, you are listening to science actually presents the nerd and the scientist and today's episode (laughs) is all about drawing ridiculous uh, absurd comparisons and analogies Mm -hmm. between um, children and stuff in space
1: yes yes or children and space robots let's get a little more accurate
0: and we will gosh we will get right back to exactly that the actual focus after this ad break <laughs>
1: <It's> the best <laughs> Ooh. Woo. oh man I don't know. Should we we make up a commercial or just keep laughing?
0: (laughs) Today's today's show is brought to you by our (laughs) wheezing and out of breath laughter. (laughs) Are you having a bad day? Do you feel like the world is not a fun place? Have a listen to Covey and Benjamin (laughs) wheezing.
1: As they talk about space robots.
0: (laughs) It'll make everything better. And you too can have the sound of Benjamin and Covey wheezing for the low, low price of 0.000003 cents per decade.
1: Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of of money. Now available in (laughs) strawberry and cherry and grape flavors. Get yours now.
0: Are we not doing cola flavored? I was I was hoping well that's, oh. that's still in the works.
1: <laughs> nah, coming soon. Coming cola
0: soon. <laughs> Cola. Ah. Today's episode is brought to you by the smooth taste of wheezing Coca-Cola. Mm, Coca-Cola.
1: Oh, that sounds horrible.
0: <laughs> Imagine breathing in flavored air. Oh, wait. No, that's vaping.
1: Oh, God. I was was thinking about those scratch and sniff things when I was a kid. You can kind of smell. Yeah. There you go. Anywho. Good commercial. Good commercial.
0: (laughs) Good stuff. And now, back to today's episode.
1: Yeah. uh, Hmm. Well. I don't know. How to... Hmm. Well... You know, when the Voyager spacecraft was swinging by all those planets and taking pictures and stuff, it was able to see it quite well because there was no atmosphere between it and the planets. There was no light pollution. There was no atmospheric turbulence. There was no clouds in the way. Well, there are clouds on the planets themselves, but it had quite good seeing, as the terminology goes, for people who look at the stars through optical telescopes. Kavi has excellent seeing all the time because he uses radio telescopes, which is awesome.
0: I I thought you meant because I didn't have glasses.
1: Because he doesn't also have glasses. I have glasses. Kavi does not have glasses. He has radio telescopes. (laughs) (laughs) Those are your options, people, when you get a little bit older. Do you want glasses or do you want massive arrays of radio telescopes that can see the beginning of time? Your choice.
0: <laughs> I mean, one option is clearly superior. <laughs>
1: That's probably my favorite thing I've said all day. <clears throat> Yesterday, though, was even better. Hey, right, moving along.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Yes, go on.
1: Anyway, good seeing was the original idea. For today's episode, instead of staying on topic, we just decided to just riff. It
0: was a good riff.
1: It was an excellent riff. Excellent. Hey, did you know that the further away you get from a city, the better you can see the stars? The idea for this topic came up from uh, my chatting with Kavi before I went to a Pinnacles National Park. Here in California over the weekend, and it was freezing cold, and there were no clouds, and we were camping in a bit, a little, uh, a little valley, and the night sky was amazing—black, black, black stars that you just cannot see in the city. I was able to test with my cell phone; just aim up take a snap and i got pictures of the stars and jupiter and it was amazing i mean i couldn't see jupiter in detail but i knew the bright one was jupiter and that was uh what we wanted to talk about today just where can you go what can you do to get good seeing of stars when you go look Do your little backyard astronomy
0: it's um I, i feel like every time there's an astronomical event that's interesting enough um to get picked up by you know local newspapers and such i always get messages from you know friends and family members who are saying you know where where can i see the meteor shower how can i see the how can i see the thing right a full moon or a full blue super hyper mega moon or whatever it happens to be right and and the short answer is um you just want to get as far away from light pollution as possible um so, yeah, Benjamin mentioned that I'm, I'm a radio astronomer. So I use radio telescopes and, and radio telescopes have to be built out in the middle of nowhere because, you know, you don't want to have radio noise, right? So radio is just a different type of light just with longer wavelengths. And so, yeah, you, you know, you, you don't want to have Wi-Fi signals and, 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 you know, cell phone uh, signals and, and all of these radio wave uh, light pollution to disrupt the radio telescope. And so in the same way, um for an optical telescope um, or for your own eyeballs uh when you want to see yes your eyeballs right there um when you want to see any sort of interesting thing in space just try to get to a place that's um as far away from uh light pollution as possible away from big cities and street lamps um you also want to make sure that if you need to use light to see something while you're out there in the middle of nowhere, try to use a red uh, light or something that's Mm -hmm. like low brightness um, because, you know, otherwise it will ruin your night vision. Uh, That's kind of like, I guess, the the main thing that you should do to see these things. But gosh, it's just, it's spectacular, isn't it? Like the difference.
1: It is. It is different. In the city at night, even with the most light pollution, you can still see little twinkles in the sky. But like Kavi said, you take that time, you drive out a ways, and you're far from a big city. You might see a little glow, maybe, on the horizon. But looking up, you are just amplifying that natural light from the stars. And it's you, you, you start seeing structures, and you start seeing that big stripe of the Milky Way across the sky, depending where you're looking. Um, it's incredible to see. And um, it gets to a point. You could even see with the naked eye, maybe possibly a satellite or two streaking across. Uh, It's easier to see a shooting star. Uh, One little tidbit I learned when I remember when I was in high school, that on any given night, if you stare at one patch of sky and don't look away, within 10 minutes, you are almost guaranteed to see at least one shooting star. It happens that often. It's a little quick blip, a little streak, but you can see it. I also think something actually kind of interesting that if you go out to the places in the world where the light pollution is at its lowest, um, you start to even see some incredible detail. I mean, we all have this familiar uh, understanding that when you look at stars, they all kind of have this uniform whitish color. But there are some stars, like the big one that we all know and love, Betelgeuse. Right, you can actually see a reddish tint or hue to it with the naked eye if you're far enough away and there's no more disturbances. It's actually really, really interesting. I've never seen it, but I know you can. It's an Orion, by the way. Everybody, his top left shoulder.
0: <laughs> Depending on which which hemisphere you're in, I guess. Really? I'm like obviously if you're if you're you know consistent with the you know, how you connect the dots and draw the constellation, it will be the same in both, but like top and bottom would switch uh, between hemispheres. Um, So he would just be like, you know, doing an upside down headstand uh, kind of thing, depending on where you're looking from. Um, But yeah, I've definitely noticed that in the past. Um, I I think people don't necessarily take enough time to stop and you know actually look at this stuff and it's Mm -hmm. i find it to be quite inspiring uh like you Mm -hmm. said like you can do the same thing with the planets you'll notice that normally um depending on the time of year and, and also you know how close you are to to sunrise or sunset um you know you can see planets like mars jupiter Saturn, and sometimes venus um and They'll be bright. You'll notice their movement if you stare at them for long enough. And also Mars, I generally tend to find I can pick out Mars as being, oh, that bright one. It's probably a planet because it's so bright, and also you notice the reddish tinge. And you know, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, uh, I'm I'm right on that. It's awesome.
1: I love it. Jupiter for me is the one I'm usually pretty decent at picking up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I, I I well, when you look at the stars and or think about the stars or read about this night sky as much as Kavi and I do, especially Cobby. Um <laughs> you kinda tend to pay attention to little things like is Jupiter gonna be up tonight, how close to the horizon, whatever. And then you you go out at night and you look, Oh, there it is. Just like I kinda thought it would be.
0: And yeah, what you were saying about the um the, the shooting stars and the streaks and stuff. no mm-hmm. um, I, <laughs> it's, it's almost like the, the harder I go out of my way to look for, for shooting stars, the less I find them, but whenever I just try to take a long exposure photo, and uh, most phones um, these days have that capability, right? Um, so mm-hmm. like I know on uh, the Google Pixel, um, and I think the iPhones as well, you can do like a, a few minutes of exposure in like mm. an, either an astro mode or a night mode. So I think I can do up to like four and a half minutes on my phone. Um, you know, just place it on a rock or on a tripod or something to keep the phone stable. And every damn time you'll get a satellite streak. Like I, I mean,
1: actually, astrophotographers I found out actually refer to this as photo bombing. It's astrophotography photo bombing. <laughs> I learned this in preparation for this episode. That's the one thing I found out that just made me laugh my ass off. <laughs> it's called bombing. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Nah. Because we have uh, so many low-orbit satellites um, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: being launched in clumps, big groups. The technology behind it is astounding. And something like Starlink from SpaceX, the service that it provides is amazing. But they pump out so many of these satellites so quickly uh, they literally call them constellations because they're a great group of them just whizzing around the planet at all times in low earth orbit so they're small but they're still close enough that they can reflect the light and just take a gorgeous astrophotography photo and streak it right, right down the middle
0: it can get yeah pretty frustrating, and also for for radio astronomy, um, yeah. you know, you'd think, oh, okay, so it's not reflecting light, but it, you know, it's still giving off a, a, a digital signal, a radio signal. And um, Starlink, to their credit, they you know they had tried to make sure that they were um, emitting on a frequency that wasn't you know preserved or, or, or you know protected for radio astronomers. However there is unintentional uh, radio leakage that comes from these constellations of satellites. So even though we're not picking up the signal that they're emitting at, they're still giving off like ambient radio emission that Mm. very much heads into the bands, uh, the the observing bands that that we use to, you know, try to study the cosmos and and, get these deep images of, of galaxies and, and, you know, exploding stars, and it's uh, it's pretty frustrating. But there's um, there's a lot of work that we're doing to try to to mitigate um, you know that sort of signal to to kind of um, mitigate radio frequency interference in general. Um, a lot of really cool. Uh, there's a project I'm working on that's doing uh, you know machine learning's approach to that to changing that problem to fixing that problem. Somebody else in my research group is doing. A different version of, of RFI, radio frequency uh, uh, interference um, mitigation. It's it's tough, but you know we kind of have to balance those things, right? Of of trying to utilize new technologies without allowing them to affect other things.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm happy that there's a way to actually possibly filter it out hopefully perfectly i doubt perfectly hopefully.
0: <laughs> close <laughs> but yes um i think our, our next episode is going to talk a little bit more about the um other implications um and impacts of light pollution and uh, some of the other things related to to that topic um for now are there any final thoughts benjamin that you wanted to leave our uh, our dear dear listeners with
1: yeah uh um... I was just gonna say that um, looking at the night sky, even if you have some light pollution, all you need is a pair of binoculars. If you have some look at the moon, you can see some incredible detail. You know, if you have a basic telescope, again, simple big target. look at the moon, point it at the moon. It's easy to see, and you'll be able to see stunning stunning views of craters, shadows. Um, if you get a telescope on Amazon I looked at them up they come as cheap as twenty dollars um, if you want to spend a little more money like 70 bucks they come with eyepiece adapters that hold your phone direct to the camera directly to the eyepiece so you can take some gorgeous shots you can zoom in with your phone and it's amazing the things you can see you can see Jupiter you can see Saturn I've done it um, you can get some pretty decent shots you can see Jupiter and it's four primary Galilean moons just to see them. And you look at them again the next day, I look at them again the next day, and they're always moving. It's it's a very cheap thing. It's awe-inspiring. It's fun. If it's not too cold, you can be out there for a good long while. Enjoy. Drop me, drop, drop me your handles, Cavi.
0: My handles. On uh, on all of the uh, the great time-wasting applications, uh, you can find me at Fun Fact Science. Um, I am online a little bit less uh, than I used to be these days, as I am working on doing the science. Uh, but yeah, if you have any feedback on these episodes, um, or you want us to cover different topics, uh, drop us a message me at Fun Fact Science. Uh, Benjamin, where can the good people find you?
1: Uh, just look up. Science actually or just look actually up science. It's
0: right above you. <laughs> yeah, just look up.
1: I'm right there right now. I'm six foot five. So I, pr- I could be right above. Uh <laughs> two meters, Cavi. Is that is that better? Uh <laughs> 1.98. <laughs> I rounded up. Anyway, um you can find us you can find me on Science Actually or actually science on Facebook, uh, Threads, TikTok. Blue Sky, Mastodon, Hive, X, Twitter, whatever, Instagram, and LinkedIn, because, you know, you could be doing some professional research on LinkedIn, and all of a sudden, you need a, a science fact. It's there for you. And uh, Facebook's a big one. I don't know if I said that yet. There you have it. Uh, Alrighty. Let's uh, put this one to bed, and pack it up, and ship it, and stamp it. And
0: get it, it
1: out there move on cut move
0: on i will see you guys in the next episode of science actually presents the nerd and the scientist later gang hey, we are made of star stuff Well, you and i are made of star stuff Covey and benjamin however are made of tiny sulfur bits that make rotten eggs smell the way they do trust me it's science